David Shoemaker and Kaz host The Masked Man Show every week, breaking down everything in the world of professional wrestling. Check out The Masked Man Show on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. It's The Mismatch, presented by FanDuel. The road to the NBA Finals starts now, and FanDuel is the place to get in on the action. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Quick Bets, which are back and better than ever for the NBA playoffs on FanDuel. Find what you're looking for faster and easier with more props right at your fingertips. You can check out live bets like three-minute markets and exclusive live bets like quarter player props, player assist combos, and more. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus and present in select states or 18 plus in D.C. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit rg-help.com. Can I rant for a sec? I'm used to that, so go ahead. Pay apps are way too public. <laughs> what happened? Some rando hearted a payment from five months ago, and I realized people could see my entire history, who I'm paying, like their full names. It's super weird. Hmm. Yeah, that is weird. Okay, then how are you paying people? What are you doing? Apple Cash. It's all in messages. You can literally send cash like a text, and it stays between friends. Random people can't see it. Did you just pay me a dollar on Apple Cash? Services are provided by Green Dot Bank, member FDIC. Terms apply. Welcome to The Mismatch. I'm Chris Vernon. Joining me as he does every Tuesday from TheRinger.com is Kevin O'Connor, a.k.a. Kevin O'Bomber, Kevin O'Concert, Kevin O'Candyland, Kevin O'Camera, Kevin O'Cannabis, Kevin O'Kindness, <laughs> Kevin Burn out. Look at you over there. Good mood today. Wearing your Dak Prescott jersey. How you feeling, Chris? How I you am. Doing? I feel great. Um, I am glad that <laughs> the saga is over with Dak mm. Prescott. Much like you rooted for Tom Brady for a long time. You don't oh, yeah. you never want to be rooting for a franchise that changes quarterbacks constantly. <laughs> um, and thing. so, you know, the uh, a long time spent rooting for Tony Romo. And then uh, now, several years rooting for Dak Prescott, and I would have hated for him to be wearing a different uniform. And he got paid. Oh, my God, did he get paid. You, you weren't into the Danucci-Dalton era last year? <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're into that? Let's just, say, let's just say his value went up exponentially <laughs> based upon the play of the players <laughs> last season. Um, all right, we are through All-Star Weekend. Um, it was a fun All-Star Weekend for me. And I say this because I don't really know how I would have viewed it um, if I did not have a kid that loved the NBA. But the fact that I do have a kid that loves the NBA, that, you know, invigorates me to enjoy this stuff more than maybe I normally would because there is there's so much joy for him to watch the stuff. Right. So it's like, all right, we're going to get the three point contest. We're going to get the dunk contest. We're going to get an all-star game and you get to see all the best players in one place at one time. And so I didn't really know how it was going to go. You know, they're not splitting it up with the all-star Saturday night, the all-star, uh, you know, everything was being done on Sunday, but I will say this three point contest Absolutely unbelievable with incredible drama. 
with Curry winning it. So three-point contest gets an A++. Skills competition was a dud. Ends with two big guys, Sabonis and Busevich, you know, at the end of that. So that was kind of a dud. Um, the dunk contest is pretty much a dud. Especially uh, without a crowd, right? The, the game, though, I will say that uh, the game was rather entertaining in the sense that it was not the competition that we had in Chicago last year. But if the whole idea is everybody's just out there playing and you want to see all-stars doing all-star stuff, Curry fit the bill, Lillard fit the bill. They threw an alley-oop to Chris Paul, which was shocking. You know, Curry (laughs) dunked at one point. And so I got enough of that and... Enough fun, and especially like with the guys pulling from half court and Curry, you know, shooting it like LeBron and turning around before it goes in the hoop and all that stuff. So, all in all, look, I'm glad they pulled it off, and I was, I was more entertained than I thought I was going to be. Honestly, especially, I mean, I think the level of shot making was on display. I, yeah. I'd be curious about how your son you know, enjoyed the whole night watching with you because having it all jam-packed into the same night. Like, yes. like, like for father son watching together. What was that like seeing it all instead of having all-star Saturday and then the all-star game itself? Was it nice having it all together? Did that make it more exciting? I'm going to tell you that, that this is odd. So, and I didn't realize it until I was watching it all on Sunday night. I never watch it with him. Oh, I'm there. Oh, this is the, fir- I, I didn't even, you know what I mean? Like I, so by the time he was like of the age where he would really want to see it, like he watched it maybe in passing, you know, but like now he knows when it is, he knows what time it's at, whatever. But, you know, a couple of years ago, uh, I was in Charlotte last year. I was in Chicago. And so I've been, uh, at the all-star game uh, or all-star weekend for that entire weekend. And so he's been at home watching mm, it by himself. Yeah. Um, and so th- to, this was honestly like the first one that I've sat there and watched with him. <laughs> and so that was a majorly different experience. It's also different, you know, again, like I said, I've been in the arena for all that stuff um, the last couple of years. And so, yeah, that, that's why that's why this one, I think, was particularly different. And I didn't I didn't even think about that until we were watching it. Um, but, you know, like, look. You want to see Steph Curry hitting half-court shots. You want to see Damian Lillard hitting half-court shots. You want to see all these guys doing the fun stuff. And so we got to see that. And for a kid, I remember when I was a little kid, there weren't games on all the time. So I would tape the entire All-Star weekend. And me and my friends would lower a goal and try to do the dunks, whatever was in the dunk contest. <laughs> and then we would do the three-point contest and whatever else. And you I'd had have a, it. Like, you had cooler friends than I did. Yeah, and I had it taped <laughs> throughout the year. I had it taped throughout the year. <laughs> and you know what? This is actually going to sound crazy. It's it When I said that about the whole practicing the dunks, There is, so when I was a kid, up the hill from my house, these two guys bought a house that were, and you may actually, I I know you're not like a hockey fan, but you will know the name Rod Brindamore. I I play, I play Chell. Okay. I play NHL. You know who Rod Brindamore is? Rod Brindamore was like. 
Okay, he was an outstanding player. Don't know anything about the NHL. I just play chill the video game. (laughs) Okay, he was, Rod Brindamore was a great, great (laughs) NHL player. He was a rookie with the St. Louis Blues. Him and another Blues player bought this house like up the street from uh-huh. us and and it had a basketball goal that you could lower in the back and they were like in their 20s and so we were like the neighborhood kids but they would let us play in their How backyard the on, on this goal i was probably i don't know 9 10 11 okay, yeah. 12 it, you know what i mean time, i didn't really have any friends who loved the nba at that time it wasn't until i was a teenager and met my high school friends that i had friends who loved basketball so at that well, time George, like well because like, i loved yeah. watching the all-star game myself at that time but like i had nobody really to you know share it with unless my dad was watching at night but at that time you know sometimes he didn't care for all-star jordan was by far the biggest athlete in the world when i was a kid yeah so everything was jordan you know what i mean all like jordan, every, all jordan it, it was michael jordan and then obviously uh yeah, so I mean, and I didn't grow up in an NBA town, but he was just bigger than everything. I mean, it's it's hard to it's hard to describe. There was no football player, no baseball player that were even in the same hemisphere as him. I mean, he was that big a deal. And so I think that was the truth with every kid of that era. And I think that's why there's so many I would actually I've thought about this before. I would hypothesize that there's so many in my age group that cover the NBA and grew, because we grew up loving it from the time that we were a child. He is responsible for that. There's no question that the biggest athlete at the time when we were kids was him. And so I do think that's why there's so many, so, so many in my age bracket that are, that cover the league. And I think that will be true as we go forward. Um, you know, with this, with this whole era, and how big the NBA is. There will be more people covering the NBA than ever before in 20 years, you know, because they're growing up loving it just like sure. my kid is, you yeah, know? Yeah, no doubt about it. And there's a lot of fun stars to watch, and that was what was apparent, really, for the whole All-Star night, you know, with all the events, like Steph Curry and Damian Lillard going back and forth. It's fun to watch. It's fun to watch those guys shooting from half court and making it look easy. <laughs> That's right. It's why the NBA is like, should we add a four point line? You know, in the back of their minds, they probably won't add it. But I, I mean, who knows in the future with the you way never know. players um, are shooting these days. Once upon a time, a three point <laughs> line seemed insane. You yes, know what I mean? Exactly. exactly. So you never know. Mm-hmm. Um, you never know. While this was while All Star Weekend was about to get going, and and they pulled that thing off, and it, you know, again. I can only view it through my own prism. I was entertained by what took place over the weekend. That being they said, of course, there was, had the challenge with Embiid and Simmons. Yeah, 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 yeah. And there was news that broke, which was the Blake Griffin uh, saga in Detroit ended uh, with the buyout, and then he was going to be able to go to a team, and he is going to the Brooklyn Nets. When you saw the news that Blake Griffin was going to the Brooklyn Nets, what were your immediate thoughts? It gives them another option, another style to put out on the court. Because right now with Brooklyn, they have Bruce Brown, who is a guard turned center, six foot four, who allows them to switch all screens on defense. And on offense, he can pick apart teams like Draymond on the short roll. Really fun to watch. But they can get overmatched on the board. So they have other guys. They have Jeff Green. They have DeAndre Jordan. They have Nick Claxton. With DJ, you play more traditional. With Jeff Green, it's a little bit more versatile. With Nick Claxton, you can switch screens and retain size. But you lose playmaking. Blake Griffin comes in. He gives you a little bit of everything. 
It gives you the fact that you can use him in the pick and roll like you do with Bruce Brown. He can play make in the open floor. He's going to be really valuable for them in that particular role. On defense, he provides some size and rebounding that their smaller lineups don't. And even though he has not been good since the 2019 season when he was made an all-star, when he was on the all-NBA team, he has not been good since then. I still think the defensive IQ is there, the intelligence, the communication, the positional defense, the rebounding, the boxing out. That can be another tool for the Nets with what is a flawed defense. But with Blake Griffin, he gives him another look, which could be valuable in another certain matchup, another certain situation against another uh, what an opponent might be doing versus size or small ball. So for Brooklyn, I look at their front court, and even though people criticize their defense, I still say this team has a lot of options, a lot of flexibility, and Blake Griffin's just another guy to add to the pile. So that's the question. Um and you talked about, you know, how he has not been good. That, that needs to be He's not. mentioned. He has um, not. You know, and I think that's what everybody that that's the debate that is going on is is he is he done? You know, sometimes guys are just done and Field goal percentage-wise, if you we're just taking field goal percentage. Uh, last year, he only played 18 games. He was 35% from the field in those games. This year, 20 games, 37% from the field. And the three-point percentage, miserable too. I mean, 30, uh, 24% last year, 32% this year. Um, <laughs> so it's like, you know. I mean, these are precipitous drops. As you said, he, he made 13 all NBA a couple of years ago. He was shooting 46% from the field, 36% from three. When we look at just these last two seasons, when he has appeared, it hasn't been, you know, geez, Louise, 35% is just anemically low. And he has not hit three pointers either. And so if somebody wants to tell me, like, what are you talking about? Like, he can't contribute. Like, what if you watch? This guy is, he's done. It's over. I i really don't know. I don't know if there's a second act left in him or not. I, 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 because it has been a long time since he has been anything but awful numbers. Like, the numbers are the numbers, and it, they've it's been It's just awful. the facts. The, the yes. numbers have been awful. It's just the facts. And watching games, you can see it, too. Yeah, if he's not Blake Griffin, who we know has the resume that he has, are we even holding out hope that he could, if you put those numbers with anybody else, that he could contribute to a team like the Nets? Chris, that, that Blake Griffin is gone. And it's just about finding a new Blake Griffin. If that Blake Griffin is worthy of being in the rotation for a team with championship hopes or not, we're going to find that out over the coming weeks and months. And with Blake Griffin, here's what I will say. The numbers have been bad the last two seasons, this season and last season, but he's playing around 30 minutes per game. Blake Griffin with all his injuries, he looks tired on the court a lot of the time. He look, it looks like he's fatigued uh, oftentimes. At, at like three-point range, he's short on a lot of his jumpers. I wonder if it's because of tired legs, you know? And for him, maybe he could be better, have more energy in a 15, 20-minute stint. And I know that's sad to say for a guy who's used to dunk everything, who's that's made right. so many all-star games and has you know jumped over a car during a dunk contest. Like, this is the guy we're talking about, but th- that doesn't... Who he was doesn't prevent him from 
becoming a new version of himself. And oh, and I he think, was more of that in that year. He made all NBA. He, he I mean, was, look, he was, but he was, he was still had more pop at that point. And, and but he, he was not dunking the ball. Like, I mean, remember that stat I sent you a couple of weeks ago? It was like, you know, this in, in inordinate percentage of his dunks came in the first four years of his career. I know, and, yeah. I, I mean, I have the numbers right here. Like he had 214 dunks as a rookie. 119, 202, then it drops 176, 84, 36, 68, 46, 37, that all-star season, the last one. And then 37 five, dunks. Yeah, but then only five last season in 18 games and zero so far this season. Like it has fallen but off. But think about this. He made all NBA with 37 dunks. When he used to be a guy that hovered around 200, which is crazy. It's crazy. But, but that speaks to the point we're hitting on here. Yeah. He, he evolved his game to become a guy at 29 years old, could make an all-star team, could make all NBA by changing the way he played. Now we're going to see in a new role and a new situation with better talent around him and more personnel that suits his strengths better. Detroit this season and Detroit last season did not have the type of playmaking guard who can unleash Blake Griffin on the short roll. We're going to see Blake Griffin used in the role that Brooklyn has used Bruce Brown, what they've used with Jeff Green, what the Warriors did with Steph Curry and Draymond Green. So Blake is going to be in that Draymond role on offense where Kyrie and Harden are the guy in the Steph role, pulling the defense away from the three-point line, you know, with traps, blitzes, and that opens up Blake or Bruce Brown or Jeff Green or whoever's screening in that short role. And Blake Griffin, with his playmaking skill, with his handling skill, he can still be a productive guy in that position on the floor, on offense. What level is he going to reach defensively when he's going full throttle with effort, which might not come until the playoffs? I don't know, Chris. I don't have the answer yeah. to that. It didn't look good in Detroit, but I, I still say there's he offers a different uh, style, a different vibe to the lineup that some of the other options they have don't. So in that sense, the, the amount of flexibility Brooklyn has, I feel like is being, being understated here. It really is. They, they have a lot of options. By all accounts, good guy, good teammate, good locker room guy. And, you know, what, if, what, what is Blake Griffin if he only takes, you know, he only, he's taking the six shot, eight shot Blake Griffin. And it's, the Draymond. You know, look, That's what Draymond has become. You know, and that's the truth of the matter is, while uh, while I mentioned if he doesn't have the resume, do we think that this is an addition to a team? The truth is, he does have the resume. And so great players, even former great players, get the benefit of the doubt in this situation that you know they have. They are extremely talented players. Can they ever get back to what they were? No. But could they in a minor role? And we've seen all kinds of championship teams have guys that were once, you know, really good players play minor roles on them. Like once upon a time, Antoine Walker was winning rings with Miami, right? And he wasn't Antoine Walker. Dw- that was, Dwight Howard just won with yeah, the Lakers. Right. Yeah, you know what he I might mean? win with the Sixers again this year. <laughs> and can you contribute some, you know, to the mix? And the other thing is he might be a radically different player just being reinvigorated playing competitive basketball again. Yeah. It's been a long time since he's played competitive basketball. And so maybe you do get a different guy on that. It, we are, we are still obviously holding out the possibility. He's done. He's washed. It's over. He doesn't have it anymore. That is a possibility, but 
because of his track record as an outstanding player for so many years in the league, you know, I think you do have to say, if you're playing a minor role, could he possibly contribute? I wouldn't. I, w- I, w- I wouldn't put that out of the realm of possibility. Uh, all, all I can say is that I love the way Bruce Brown plays for Brooklyn. I mm-hmm. love, I love to watch Bruce Brown, Chris. It's right. so fun to watch a six foot four, six foot four guard roll to the rim with Kyrie or Harden handling the ball. Blake Griffin in that role is going to be fun to watch. It's going to be fun to watch Blake Griffin in that role. Like, I, I'd be shocked if they don't have success with Blake screening for those guards. Defense, that's the question. That's going to be the question for me. Like even his spot up shooting, like what level can his shooting return to? Because it seems like it's fallen off. Maybe it's because of tired legs. Who knows? Whatever it is, but that needs to get better too. But I am excited to see him screening for for James Harden and Kyrie Irving. I can't wait. And the other fascinating <laughs> thing is, is he okay playing fifteen minutes? I think I mean, so. Uh, no, he, but it is hard for so. guys, right? Like, is yeah. he the type? He does feel like the kind that is fine going into I don't think you sign up with Brooklyn if you're not fine being a role player exactly right exactly. I don't think there were any promises of it's obvious he does not want to carry the load you don't sign up with a team that's got Kyrie Irving James Harden and Kevin Durant if you feel like you're going to be a featured player on the team I think he knows his featured player days are done but some guys struggle with you know getting in the mix and just find being a role player as they extend their career, he does feel like the kind that will be able to settle into being okay. Just and, and by, and by the way, from the Brooklyn side, this is a upside move oh, with of course zero downside. If that's Blake right. Griffin it can offer anything more, that's a bonus for your team. If he struggles, just don't play him and you're in the same place you were before. And by the way, they can still add other guys. Man, we got to start using Apple Cash. All right. Why? It's so easy and convenient. Apple Cash lives in messages. Okay. So I can pay you in convos we're already having. Not forget a payment or have the money sitting somewhere just collecting dust. Hmm. That's actually kind of nice. And then you can use that cash right away and buy stuff at like a store with Apple Pay. Oh, so I don't have to do all the bank transfer stuff. Nope. It's just right there. It's easy, convenient, and secure. Did you just pay me a dollar on Apple Cash? See how easy that was? Services are provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Terms apply. Okay, we got a ton of things to get to in your power rankings. I read the entire thing. How proud of, uh, all, all of me. All 7,000 words? I read it all. All 7,000 words from our Every power rankings? Every single team. Jeez. And you will know that I read it all from my notes today because I wrote down the stuff that I want to hit with you about you your power you just, rankings. See, here's what I would do if I saw that article. I would scroll down and find my favorite team, where they were ranked. I would read that section. Then I would, then I would scroll through and see what headlines stood out to me. Oh, <laughs> okay. You read 7,000 words, Chris? I, I read appreciate it all. you. I read it all. Okay. <laughs> First, uh, what has been the most blowback you have gotten already for your rankings? Having the Knicks at 11th is shocking. Um, <laughs> you know what I mean? Because... You still haven't I have, really. I, have, I haven't. I'll be honest with you, Chris. I haven't really looked at my mentions the last twenty four hours because I've been busy with some other stuff. I'm oh, trying good. to. 
Yeah, I'm, I'm so you don't know. For, I'm prepping for a podcast and a video later this week, so oh, okay. I, I haven't really looked at my mentions. I like to. Usually, I get I get hated on for the Knicks rankings. I'm guessing Knicks fans are a lot happier this time around. I usually get hate for Blazers rankings. I usually get told I put them too low, but I think this this week we did take a little bit of a different approach with the rankings themselves because all season I've sort of been doing this kind of like big picture yeah. rank thing, like keeping the true championship contenders up top, but we're just going to do what the power rankings usually are and just do recent performance being a significant factor in where rankings are. So we have the Brooklyn Nets number one. We have Utah number two and Phoenix is in the top five. And, and you that. got the Lakers way down. Yeah. The Lakers are down because they don't have AD right now. So I, right. I like the, I like the rhythm that we're in now with it. Okay. I'm not going to bust you up about the rankings. That's for the fans of yeah. these separate teams to do. Yeah. I want to go through, and this is going to prove to you that I read your whole thing because Thank I wrote you, down a no bunch of different notes. things that I wanted to hit. Okay. <laughs> and we'll just go one by one. The notes that these are all the notes that stood out to me from reading your article. Okay. <laughs> yeah. The first one is the Murray numbers, the Jamal Murray numbers that have taken a jump and the numbers without Jokic uh -huh. were very surprising to me. And it's fascinating to see. I think it is something to look forward to as the year goes on. I think one of the narratives this year has been Jamal Murray has not been the Jamal Murray that we saw in the bubble. This guy looked like he was ready to take a leap into one of the best scorers possibly in the NBA. Because when you do it, when the stakes are as high as what they were when Murray was doing it, it stands to reason that the next season, oh man, did he just come into his own? A guy that kind of has always averaged the same thing at the end of the year, next year is going to take that big leap. And then one of the things we've talked about this year is bubble Murray has not shown up in the same way, but number one, he has lately. And I was fascinated with the whole leaving him on the court when Jokic goes out and what he is doing to second units. When you were trying to put this together and obviously you're trying to find something interesting on every team, were you shocked to find the numbers of Murray without Jokic on the court? I mean, they really pop. The, yes. the number was uh, over the last 12 games, Murray's been hot just to give some context. Like he's averaging 29 points on 47% from three over his last 12 games. Super, super hot stretch. Much That's like Bubble we Murray. That's Bubble Murray. And during this time, Nuggets head coach Michael Malone has changed the rotation a little bit now. And, and Jamal Murray has gone from averaging 5.7 minutes per game without Jokic on the floor to nine. So they've dramatically increased the amount of time Murray is on the floor without Jokic. And during those minutes, he's averaging 31 points per 36 minutes, which is great stuff on great efficiency. He's really killing it in that role. So with Denver, it does seem like as this team has figured some stuff out after a slow start and people are wondering what they're going to be. It seems like they're developing a rhythm here with this new rotation that they have. And I am curious to see how much Murray, Murray can sustain this because that's always been the question, Chris. It's always been the question with him. Consistency. And things can click for young guys in their young 20s sometimes. And that's why, you know, the headline on that is, is Jamal Murray on a hot streak or taking a leap? Yeah. We're going we're gonna to find that out. Like, if he can keep this up in this new role with the new rhythm he's in, maybe it is a leap because he certainly has the talent. We've seen the flashes. So it's about having a consistency.
Well, because I remember last year during the bubble, we were saying, you know, people people had had high opinions of Jamal Murray, but we were saying, like, look, this is this is unprecedented what's happening with this guy. This guy is like a 19, 20 point per yeah. game scorer that all of a sudden is averaging 35 points a game. Like this is, this just doesn't happen with guys. Well, this year you look up and as of right now, he's averaging 19.7 points per game. Right. And you say in the last 12, he's averaged, you know, closer to 29 points per game. So which is he, or is he somewhere? Cause even if he just became a 25 point per game scorer, that's a leap. That's yeah. a leap, right? But instead, we've come into this season after this crazy bubble and playoff run, and he's been what he's always been, which is you can chalk him up for 19 points per game at these, you know, good percentages, mm. yeah. right? And so maybe, no and and maybe maybe that's what it took. Maybe it is like, all right, you get you're you're going to be out there when Jokic isn't. We're not subbing you out at the same time because obviously it's it's giving him a boost. Yeah, I mean we'll see what happens. It's only a twelve game sample, but yep. it's encouraging. It's encouraging to see. Only yep. twenty four years old, Chris, still so young. I know. Uh, Heat fans frustrated with Bam Adebayo. I was shocked <laughs> to read that. Is that a uh, is that is that a uh, overwhelming sentiment that you gather from? I just was shocked. Overwhelming, I don't know, but Heat fans like Bam Adebayo. The point of the blurb in the article is that he is taking a leap this season. Bam is having the best season of his career, Mm -hmm. undoubtedly, as an individual player. But Heat fans, a lot of the time, they're left wanting more because Bam has some passive nights where in those dribble handoffs, you, you often see him in with Tyler Hero running around a screen. He might not be playing as aggressively as Heat fans would want with an attacking mentality, going at the rim, trying to create shots for himself, trying to be a pass-first player. And Bam has talked about it a lot after games. I got to be more aggressive. I got to be more aggressive. And some Miami fans want to see that from him on a night-to-night basis, especially on nights they need it. Like Jimmy Butler was out uh, in a recent game and Bam only took eight shots. So with Bam, there's a desire and a tease from him of what he can be when he's super aggressive. And my point in that blurb and the power rankings is you got to give it time here. I mean, he is still a superb defender who can switch across positions, who is still, you know, playmaking for your team. He's averaging nearly 20 points. Like, like sometimes it can take time for these guys to get into that point where they're averaging 20 plus every Mm -hmm. night. And for him, it's still part of the growth. And I think we're witnessing growth from Bam and it's trending upwards still. Um, so I, I, even if it's frustrating with the championship hopes and desires from the franchise and the fan base, he's still trending up, man. Uh, he's still trending up. It's a very common phrase slash sentiment um, expressed by big men throughout the years. You remember your exact the exact quote that you just said. How many times did we talk about that was the Embiid quote after games. I've got to be more aggressive. I know I've got to be more aggressive. I know I've got, you know, and, and that it, it is was the true. Jokic quote too. Yeah. It was the Mar- to, yeah. It, look, I went through it covering uh, Pau Marcus Gasol Sol. and Marcus yeah. both big mm. guys. It's always big guys that are typically saying I've got to be more aggressive, you know, because they're not in many cases, they're not a, 
it's the way you're wired, right? Uh, smaller guys, you have a lot more people to compete with when you are smaller in order to get where you're going to get. And many times you end up having this uh, chip on your shoulder or this level of tenacity that big guys don't have. Hell, there's a lot of big guys that just play because they're big. They don't even love basketball. It's been a thing over the years, right? And all of those guys obviously love basketball, but that whatever that is, that killer instinct is harder to find in big guys. It just is, you yeah, know, for sure. Because they don't have to be killers. You know, they don't have to be in order to get where they've been. Whereas smaller guys, in many cases, you got to be killers in order to, you know, differentiate yourself from so many other people that are your size that are trying to achieve the same goals that you are. Speaking, it, it, yeah, it's something ahead. that can, it can, it's something that can develop over time too. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Um, we're seeing it with Embiid this year. Seeing it with Jokic right? too. Both of them. We're seeing it with the maybe Jokic one, too. maybe one, two in the MVP race. Right. Uh, all right. I want to get to some of these names that you have mentioned because the next thing that we are really going to spend a lot of time on in the coming weeks is the trade deadline and who's going to get moved and who's not going to get moved. Um, I'm going to go through these names one by one. One of them that you mentioned that stood out to me is the Clippers desire to get Kyle Lowry if they could. That would clearly be a great fit. It would reunite him with Kawhi Leonard. There are other teams that, uh, you know, have been connected with Lowry over the course of the past couple of months. The big question is, is Toronto, you know, going to move Kyle Lowry? Is this going, are, are they going to move into the Fred Van Vliet, Norm Powell, you know, OG Ananobi, Pascal Siakam, you know, era where there there's like this transition um, to whatever the new look Raptors are going to be, especially after the other veterans left in the offseason, uh, both Ibaka and Mark Gasol. Do you think, what is chances Kyle Lowry is a Raptor, you know, late March, in your opinion? Probably pretty good. You think so? <laughs> yeah, probably pretty good. I mean, uh, for a number of reasons, he's Kyle Lowry. Yep. <laughs> He's been with the franchise for a long time and the Raptors have still have a good team, even if they don't have championship aspirations quite as much. Uh, secondly, it's a tough contract to deal, making around $30 million. There's not a lot of teams that need a point guard. So you have those factors at play there. And Kyle Lowry himself, he posted on Instagram today. The lies people tell in media are amazing. Don't put things out when they ain't come from me. And he put that on his Instagram story, responding to all the hoopla and all the noise the past couple of weeks about, you know, whether he'll get traded or not. Right. And so for Lowry, for the team, for the fact there might be other interests, there's a lot of factors working against a Lowry trade. That doesn't change the fact that there's some existing interest from other teams like the Sixers or the Clippers and whoever else might want a point guard. I'm not sure if a deal will end up getting made, Chris. Because um, he could really yeah. move the needle, Kev. He big time. Big you know time. what I mean? For big any time. of those teams. For any of those teams that you mentioned, whether it's the Heat or it's Philly or it's the Clippers or whoever, like a a, a contender adding Kyle Lowry, that moves you into a different uh tier. It just does. Because Kyle Lowry is still a big time player, you know, and yeah. and you want that kind of guy, uh, you know, in your foxhole when it comes playoff time. Uh, with what we saw, I mean, he 
He helped win the Raptors that championship with his performance on the road where he was, you know, I mean, he was the best player on the floor, on a floor that included, you know, Steph Curry. So this guy is, you know, this guy could really, he could change the team's fortunes and their ceiling. Oh, big time, man. Yeah. I mean, he's a, he's a winner. Kyle Lowry is a winner. And that that's why for sort of like the inverse here, like with you seeing Marcus all leave to Toronto to go mm-hmm. win his first championship, if Lowry were to be traded, it would be to a contending team. And hopefully for Raptors fans, it would be fun and, you know, to, to see him go win his second championship, whether it's with Philly or whether, whether it's with LA or whoever it might be, because he, he can still contribute at that level. But we'll see what happens, though. Well, man. Like he's, and we he's, learned he's, on the DeMar thing. We'll Masai's going to do what's best for that franchise. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so it just depends on the return. You know, if and if you get a couple teams bidding against each other, who knows? You may end up getting a lot more in return for Lowry because a team looks at it and say, if we get Kyle Lowry, we can win the title. If somebody feels like that, then that's when all bets are off. People are willing to give up much more than you would think they're willing to give up if they feel like we're going to go all in and win and we think we can win the title if we get this guy. So, if future assets be damned, we think we can win the title. And then you got to, obviously, if you give up a lot, you got to go do it. But, yeah. you know, I could see that happening. Yeah, really we'll see could. what happens there. It, it's know? unclear if he'll get dealt, but undoubtedly there's interest. Which The reason I know, brought we'll him see. up first is because he's the biggest name of the guys that you mentioned. But you do mention some others uh, in the mix. And one of those is uh, Victor Oladipo and interest from the Golden State Warriors in Victor Oladipo. Um, look, he has not been good for Houston, you know, no. since he went there. Uh, he is on the cusp of, you know, it's going to be contract time for him sooner than later. He didn't re-up with Houston, and so you know he's not for long there. So you'd imagine he is one that will for sure be moved I was surprised that that's what the Warriors would want to augment their team with. That that's what they, you know what I mean? Like just with the whole fit with Curry and Oubre and Wiggins and kind of what they've got already. I I was a little surprised that they liked Oladipo so much in that mix. You can Venmo me the money owed at Kevin O'Connor NBA, Chris, for Andrew Wiggins still being on the Golden State Warriors after one year. He made it through the weekend. It was supposed <laughs> to be the trade deadline. That's not fair. Like I said, we can move the moved. date. We can move the date. No, I'm you said we you. could. We said we could move the date if we double or nothing. That's what you said hmm. in the last pod. That's not right. This whole season got screwed up, and Clay Thompson got hurt. Ruined my Wiggins bet. Just ruined it. There's no way that dude's still on the Warriors. Of- Clay Thompson's there. <laughs> and why would they want Oladipo? They just want him for all right, all right. So, with, yeah, with the Oladipo. rest of this year? They got Clay Thompson coming back, right? Oh, maybe, well, maybe you can convince him to stay. Yeah, but maybe then you, you got him what, to Curry, Clay Thompson, and Oladipo? But they, like, look, here's the thing, Chris. I, I even said this in the report. Interest in Victor Oladipo, to me, when I hear that, when I talk to people around the league and I hear that, I hear that and think, okay, so Victor Oladipo, clearly they're thinking about other playmakers, finding other guys who can handle the ball on their team because 
other wings because they don't have a lot of wing depth. They don't have a lot of guard depth. And with Clay Thompson comes back, you don't know what you're going to get. It's just the reality of the situation. You don't know what version of Clay Thompson you're going to get, especially on the defensive end of the court. He's going to be able to shoot no matter what. Like, he can shoot sitting down. He can shoot you know, blindfolded. It doesn't matter. <laughs> but the defensive aspect you don't know about. And that's where Victor Oladipo, I look at him and it's like, oh, they're missing that Iguodala Livingston type. That guy who handles the ball and facilitates for the star scorers. Maybe Oladipo could fit in that role. So maybe they don't get Victor Oladipo. They probably won't get him. But the fact they're thinking about that shows the yeah. line, line of logic that the Golden State front office is following here with what the team needs to reload when Clay returns next season. And Oladipo types make a lot of sense to me, whether it's him or whether it's somebody else, because that's what's missing from that team is wing depth and another ball handling presence who can do the Livingston, Iguodala type of thing. And Oladipo makes sense there. Yeah, the, the, the only reason I say it doesn't make sense is because we know what he just turned down from Houston. I mean, you can't pay Curry, Thompson, uh, Draymond, and what he obviously wants. He didn't turn down that contract from Houston because he thought he was going to get less, you know, by hitting the market. And so he fancies himself as a guy that's going to get another huge contract, I think. And Golden State can't give him another huge contract. Well, well how about how about this, Chris? I, I've heard, not heard a single thing about Wiggins trades. Not a peep from anybody. But theoretically... Ah! <laughs> What if you gave up you Wiggins? You need this to happen before you need this. You needed the clock to run out. You needed the clock to run out bad. But theoretically, oh uh, no, that's BS. Well, that's the the other way. I may hold off on that Venmo because if he's gone from the trade deadline, we're gonna have to have the listeners vote on should it be the deadline or the date. Because I said he wouldn't make it through the next year. <laughs> That is hilarious. That is. I didn't know the season was going to start late. Yeah. Well, how many how many years he got left on his contract? I think three. Oh wow. Yeah, I'd do that. I know you would, Chris. I'd do that. S- save your money. That would be hilarious. <laughs> yeah. He, w- Wiggins becomes a free agent in twenty twenty three. So two more seasons. Yeah. So you're on the. Bu- yeah. You've got that kind of money on the books anyway. Yeah. Right. Uh, you would have to move off of Wiggins if you wanted to keep all the depot going forward. Um, and then you get to some lesser names that are in there. Evan Fournier was a name that you mentioned, and Terrence yeah. Ross, that's two Orlando guys. If the idea is that it's going to be too big of a cost uh, for anybody to throw together something that would entice Orlando to move Vucevic, um, but these ancillary players like a Ross, like a Fournier, that could be Even in the Kim, rotation for Kim Birch. Teams. Kim Birch, too. Oh, Kim Birch? An, an, another veteran who's going to be a free agent and in a couple months that's okay. you know, received some interest. But like, it's kind of funny. Orlando has not been good, but they mm-hmm. have a lot of players that teams want. <laughs> yeah. I thought they <laughs> were going to do huh? something in the offseason. You know, they w- before the season started. I really did. Yeah. Because it felt like they had these, they had a bunch of young guys. Nothing really fit perfectly, but you then you decide which ones are we committing to. They obviously committed to Gordon, um, and that has not, you know, he hasn't lived up to the billing. Uh, Aaron Gordon hasn't. Um, I still like Aaron Gordon a lot. I, I still yeah, I like know, him. but it, that has not worked out like you wanted it to if you're Orlando. Jonathan Isaac's hurt, right? Mo Bamba doesn't play, 
And then you've got Vucevic, who's your best player, who plays center, which is the same as Bamba and this other guy who you've had that's been good in Ken Birch. You drafted, you know, Cole Anthony. Um, and you got he some of faults these, and he got hurt. Yeah, and he and he got hurt. And so it's all kind of, you know, they do have players. And obviously with the veteran guys, you could see Evan Fournier could play in a rotation on a good team. Same with Terrence Ross. Yeah. And so you think there is, you think those are the two most likely if they're going to move somebody. And those guys are both on, you know, fine contracts yeah. that aren't long out. I mean, I, mean I, I would say like a guy that's easiest to deal is Ken Birch. So mm. he'd, he'd be most likely, even though he wasn't mentioned in the story, but Terrence Ross and Evan Fournier, as you just said, are easier to deal. And they can fit into a lot of different teams with their scoring ability, kind of a spark plug role that could be nice on a contender or Nice on any team for that matter. It's nice in Orlando. Those guys aren't bad players. Well, it was interesting for you to mention, uh, you know, for one of those guys, uh, the Hornets, because that means they're a buyer. And you had, you had mentioned this in the past that like Charlotte might be a team that tries to get even better as they head down this stretch run that like they look at this now and they're, you know, where can we get? in this playoff seating, but I was fascinated by that because they got such a, they got a gang of shooting guards there. They got a lot of guys and Monk's been really good who you mentioned. So why would, why would they want another shooting guard in Charlotte just because of the injuries? Because guys have gotten banged up. I mean, I mean not having Devontae Graham does hurt their guard rotation. Does it hurt though? Yeah. I mean, does well, it? When you, when you have I mean, Malik it's opened Monk, up the door for Malik Monk. Well, yeah, when you have Malik Monk playing at the level that he is, that guy's so fun to watch, Chris, isn't he? I love Malik Monk. Yes, he's been fantastic this year. He's uh, also in a contract year, so watch out. <laughs> you never know. Uh, the Tatum ISO numbers that you mentioned. What do you make of this? And if you can, just explain to the listeners. You had this note about how he was. I mean, he, he was one of the better ISO scorers in the entire NBA last year. And that number is down significantly this year. So last season, he ranked in the 76th percentile in isolation scoring efficiency. This season, he's down to 28th. Mm. And one of the reasons why is because Tatum's shooting off the dribble has fallen. Uh, This season, he's down to 43% on pull-up twos compared to 47% last year. And he's down to 33% on pull-up threes compared to 44% last season. So he was dominant, you know, shooting off the dribble last season. This year, those numbers have fallen in. This isn't a knock on Tatum. It's not a concern. If anything, I look at it as a reason to say that as good as he has still been as an all-star who got COVID-19 positive during the season and who himself says that he still deals with some of the after effects with, you know, feeling lethargic, feeling some fatigue. He is still producing at an all-star level with more room to reach last season's level of performance. Mm -hmm. It's not a knock on him as much as to say this guy could be even better than he already has been this season with everything that's happened. So with Tatum, you know, obviously you want to see him start hitting some of those shots. But as I show with one of the videos in there, the, you know, any Celtics or Raptors fan who is watching this game, he hit this crazy shot towards the end of Boston's win over Toronto right before the break where like he's just elevated off balance hand in his face and drained a shot from mid range. Just a nasty classic looking, you know, ISO score early 2000 style shot. It was filthy. And so that guy is still in there. 
And his numbers could even be better in the second half as he, you know, hopefully gains back all of, you know, of his wind after dealing with COVID-19. Other things I had written down from reading through your 900,000 word article, um, <laughs> who is Elise Johnson? Oh, really? Interesting. I'm yeah. surprised you, you brought him up. So Because uh, I'd never heard his name. Yeah, with the G League bubble. Happening. Okay. There's a lot of eyeballs on what's happening there with teams thinking about who are some players to target on two-way contracts or even a you know full NBA contract. And one of the names brought up to me is Elise Johnson, who's a six foot seven wing forward on the Raptors 905 Toronto's G League team. And he's just been really freaking good on both ends of the court for that team. He's somebody who can handle the ball a little bit for you. You don't want him making decisions with the ball, but he can go coast to coast for you. He just plays so hard on defense. You can use him maybe in a small ball, big role, or you can use him defending wings with the versatility he has. So, you know, the shooting numbers, you want to see him shoot high 30s percent, but it, he has he checks a lot of the boxes for what teams want in a role playing wing off the bench. And so that name was brought up to me on multiple occasions as somebody to watch to get a two way deal um, or to get uh, a, an opportunity in the NBA once the G League season is up. Yeah. Um, what, so one guy what, to watch. I, I went and looked him up after after reading about him, and as you mentioned, he was the 50th pick once upon a time, and now he's trying to fight his way into the league. Um, and all these teams, you know, when you got that many teams that are interested in you, clearly you're going to get a gig. Um, the I was like, where did he like? How I've never even heard that name. Where did he go to college? His first college. Now this is rare, Kevin. If I've never heard of the college, that's when it's a different level. Frank Phillips. <laughs> it is not a person. That is a college. And that's where he went for two years. Frank Phillips. And then he went to Missouri State after that, which is not uh, Division One. I, I don't believe. Isn't that Division One AA? I think it is. Or I, I, no, I guess they are uh, Division One now. They used to be uh, Division Two. I recall the Missouri State Bears. Um, and Frank Phillips is a community college in Borger, Texas. Apparently, according to Wikipedia, named after Frank Phillips, born in 1873, was the. <laughs> Frank Phillips Juco. How about uh, that? So anyways, yeah, Elise Johnson. You want to talk about you can have any kind of pass. Some oil guy. To get to the NBA. Frank Phillips College to Missouri State to now making a name for himself in the G League bubble. And you got four or five NBA teams uh, that might watch you. Other things that I wrote down, I had no idea that they were calling Kenrick Williams Kenny Hustle, but it, we talked about a couple of weeks ago with nicknames. I know that this guy is not a household name. Oklahoma City's not on national TV by any means. Kenny Hustle is an amazing nickname. It's a good nickname, isn't it? That Kenny is Hustle? a great oh. nickname. Kenny yeah. Hustle? Mm-hmm. And that's what they're calling Kendrick Williams? Well, he got named that at TCU. So in college, he earned the nickname Kenny Hustle. How I'm not, I'm not even sure if it's really stuck in OKC. I hope it has. It's oh. a good nickname. Kenny Hustles. Perfect. And, Kenny and Hustle. it's perfect for him. It's Amazing. Per- he always hustles, man. Yes. It works. Kenny Hustle. Ken- and Kenny, if your name is Kenny Hustle, then all of a sudden people start paying attention to you in a different way, right? 
Kendrick Williams is just a guy that people they forget. They're like, who is that? <laughs> if you say that's Kenny Hustle, now you're somebody. You know what I mean? I think if I'm an Oklahoma City fan, you make that thing stick. You start having these viral moments. Look, it even worked with uh, what's his name? The the white guy from Michigan. Uh oh, what was his name? I'm for I'm forgetting. You know, the guy that uh Stauskas, what they call him? They called uh, him, uh, he had that, uh, he had sauce, the nickname. Sauce Castillo. Sauce Castillo. <laughs> I mean, he didn't do anything, but he was Sauce Castillo. Yeah. And so he, you had an awareness of him that you would not normally have because anytime he did something, it was like, oh, Sauce Castillo. And mm. so you could, that could be a thing. And, you know, I saw people call it uh, Luquin's the torture chamber. I mean, if they got... <laughs> I think that's what they should do. If you're an Oklahoma City fan, just start leaning into this. You yeah, can have the Nick torture Mans. chamber. You can have Kenny Hustle. Those guys being on your wings. I love this. Uh, I think Kenny Hustle's such a good name. Like <laughs> that, that that's a name to change your last name to legally. Kenny yes. Hustle. It's just Kenny such Hustle. a good it's just such a it good really name. Is. <laughs> I love that one. I mean, it's so it's sort of the uh, like it's Kenny Powers esque, yes. right? Like eastbound and down. Yes. Kenny Powers, Kenny Hustle. It's got the same vibe. Kenny Hustle. I love, I love that one. Uh other notes I had uh, as we wrap up. Auto Porter could get bought out. I wrote that down uh, from the Bulls section. Do you think that's a real possibility? It's unclear what's going to happen with Chicago. You know, in that same section I had that I've heard uh, Arturis, their general manager, is telling teams that Thaddeus Young will not be dealt. That could be a leverage play. Oh, no, I think that's real. And the reason I think so is because of, did you see all that stuff that came out when Levine made the All-Star game? He was the one on the Zoom. You yeah, know what I mean? Young. Yeah, he he he's important to that team. Yeah, and that he had had this profound effect on Levine. And in fact, Thaddeus Young was the one saying, you know, basically kind of the, it didn't happen for me, but here's what we're doing. We're we're making you an all-star and you cannot, that's a, that's a lifeline for Levine and that's your best player and that's a guy that just made an all-star team. If nothing else, that's why you can't move Thad Young. Sure. You know, I mean? uh, you, know uh, you and I have talked so much over the years about the idea of blowing it up and all yeah. that. Chicago isn't in a position where they need to necessarily blow anything up. No. You know, they, they have an all-star in Zach Levine, and Thad Young has been critical for creating a structure that is good for development of young players. And they have a lot of young players on that team. And Thad Young is kind of that glue that keeps it together. And trading him could create a situation where there's kind of, you know, maybe chaos. Uh, without structure. And and I think for Chicago, there's a, a, I don't think it's just leverage either. I think this is Chicago being real here that they would keep him unless the offer is overwhelming, which by the way, is the place a lot of teams are in right now. There's so many teams because of the play in tournament that feel like they're in it, that don't feel like they need to trade out that feel like they have something to fight for and, and try to push for. And Chicago is one of those teams. They're right oh, there yeah. with a playing tournament spot right now. They, they're not a bad team. In fact, they've been pretty good the last couple of weeks. Yeah. And if they you have good. great veterans that are not resentful veterans, but are instead trying yes. to teach, yes. they're trying to teach and prop up your young players. Don't remove them from the situation unless you have to. Unless, unless it's, it's like unless a contract it's overwhelming. thing. Yeah, or unless unless the offer is overwhelming, where it's like you right. got, I can't help it. That like we got to make the deal. 
That's right. right. You're that yes. good. That's how much they want you. Yes. Other right? than that, like you just have so much value that doesn't show up in box scores exactly. uh, to that team. And and just that th- their best player, Levine, that that was the guy on the Zoom when he made the All-Star team. And he's like kind of, you know, help, helped facilitate this leap that Levine has taken. You can't. You sure. can't extract him from that situation. If that guy has more value than a player that's even better than him. I'm glad we're having this conversation because, you know, while writing that section, it just had me thinking so much about how the conversations we have are viewed through the lens of the teams that have championship aspirations. We talk about what Thad Young could offer a contender. Right. But we so often don't talk about, well, what about what does Thad Young offer a young team that's growing? And he offers a heck of a lot. To the Chicago Bulls, so much to that team off the court, on the court with the way he plays. He's somebody that you want to have no matter I'll what situation you're I'll give you a great example in. of this, Kev. A great example because you know I experienced it firsthand, and that was Jay Crowder. That was Morant and those young guys' guys for the – him and Solomon Hill for, for the Grizzlies. And Crowder did go and help a team go to the NBA Finals. And now he's back in Phoenix and helping young guys again. And winning. Getting both. (laughs) And winning. But those are the kind of veterans that have a profound impact on, because what happens is when you start getting your ass kicked, they are the guy in the locker room that can say, I've been here before. I've been on good teams. I've been on bad teams. Just stay the course. This is going to turn around because like whatever they started last year, like six and 16 or some crap like that. You have to have guys like Crowder saying, everything's going to be fine. You're going to learn your way. Here's how to do this. Here's how to do that. Here's how do you conduct yourself? Here's how, how you work all this kind of stuff. And like, there's no, there's no dollar figure you can put on that, 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 that those are, those are things that stay with guys for a lifetime. If they're willing to help young players, um, and I like seeing Thad Young fall into that role, right? For sure. Because uh, that can be so helpful to the young players. And it has been, obviously, for Levine. Uh, last guy I do want to mention, which is, all right, so I was listening to Simmons and Rosillo talking. And Simmons started talking up Harrison Barnes and the Celtics. And I was like, okay, what's this all about? Usually Bill has, like, he, he knows something because why, why, why that is just such a weird connection to make, right? Like, why would you just throw out randomly Harrison Barnes and the Celtics as something that might been, I I know you're not reading like Celtics subreddit, Celtics forums, but Celtics fans have been on Harrison Barnes for quite some time now. Really? Yeah. As a target. Yeah. He's like, he is like the most popular trade target for Celtics fans to use their trade exception with. The most popular one. Just because he's on a rat team and you think you can get him? Yeah, because he's on a rat team. (laughs) Okay. And, you know, and because he fits into the traded player exception, because he does fill a need with this, you know, the versatility on defense and everything else Harrison Barnes brings to good teams. So he does make sense for the Celtics, even though, you know, he wouldn't be at the top of my list necessarily. He would not. No. I mean, he's fine. Harrison Barnes is fine. He's a fine player. He's a fine player. Yeah, but I, I I think do you think he's a good fit there? Yeah, he's a good fit, but uh, there's better fits for what they need moving forward. And 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 listen, man, like Boston this season, do you feel like Harrison Barnes puts them over the top? 
I mean, let's be serious here, Chris. Does Harrison Barnes put the Boston Celtics over the top? No. They need a big guy. They need a number of things. They need time. Well, they need somebody that they can throw at Giannis. They need somebody they can throw at Embiid. They need somebody they can throw at Bam. They need that. I know Tice and Tristan Thompson, what a time lord. They need somebody better than those guys. Time like, lord. The best teams in that conference, you're gonna have you gotta have somebody that can match up with those monsters. And I don't like to match up with any of the guys they got, you know, on on their roster right now. And so I'd try to I'd try to find somebody big if I'm them. You know, hopefully they get Marcus Smart back, you know, because and, and he's gonna be on the court come playoff time. So what you playing? You playing Jay? You playing Jalen Tatum, Harrison Barnes, and Smart on the same court at playoff time? Like I don't. You know, Smart gets a lot of minutes when it comes the big leverage game. So I don't know. I try to find somebody big because that's what you got to really trifle with when you're if you're talking about you know getting to the East Finals and hopefully getting to an NBA Finals. They need a big guy. That's my opinion. Yeah, I mean, with Boston, Time Lord maybe come closer to playoff time. Brad Stevens has said recently that they're trying to manage his minutes so he peaks, you know, around the postseason. So maybe a Time Lord becomes a 25-minute-per-game guy in the playoffs. Mm. Who knows? We'll see. He's been pretty good, man. Like, Robert Williams is a good player playing a limited role as a young guy. He still has some flaws, but he can rim run for you. He's a way better passer than he gets credit for. He's effective altering shots around the rim. There's some, you know, issues with off-ball defense at times, but I I feel like he can give more. And mm. with this Celtics team, Tatum is 22. Brown is 24. They were two of the youngest all-stars in a game filled with some potential legendary players who are still in their primes. Two young two of the youngest guys on that team along with Luka and Zion and and others. These guys still aren't in their prime. And with Boston, they've been to three of the last four conference finals. But with them, I still have a hard time looking at this team. And I know so much of the discourse around Boston is they're not making a move. They're not making a move. They got to do something now. They got to take advantage of Tatum and Brown. Well, Tatum and Brown are still young guys. I mean, mm. I don't know if this is the right move at Harrison Barnes. They, they have until November to use that. And we'll see what opportunities become available. But I'm not convinced they should use that traded player exception before the deadline when better fits, better options could pop up during the offseasons. I know it's a hard thing to say for a team that's right there. Yep. They've been been in the conference finals, but I don't think he's the guy, Chris. All right. Well, last thing that we will touch on, the last name that we'll touch on, I was talking about big guys. And that, that last one, we got a resolution on the Blake Griffin thing. The Drummond thing is still hanging out yeah. there. Does somebody trade? For Drummond, or do you think we get to a point where Drummond is choosing his team? Beats me, man. <laughs> Beats me. We'll see what happens there. There's still interest from some teams for trades. Toronto, that's not going to go away. There's the Chicago stuff that was floated out there last week. Um, Should Boston still... try to get him? I don't think so. No. No. But um, I, I wouldn't trade for Andre Drummond. I'm not a big fan, personally. <laughs> okay. You don't like Barnes either, though. No, no, I mean, for any team with Drummond, I wouldn't want him on 20 plus million dollars. We'll see what type of contract he signs this offseason, but there, there is a chance he gets bought out. It's, it's a smaller chance than you, him getting traded. But you we'll need see. him to trade for Mo Bamba. That's what. Yeah, exactly. Mean. That'd be, a, that'd be a, a huge win. And then 
They Huge could, win for any team. They could reincarnate Bamba. Elijah Wan and Samson and throw out Mo Bamba and Taco Fall. Who Unbelievable. Could, who could deal with that? Nobody. Can you imagine a Taco Fall Mo Bamba front court? Win, <laughs> they win every game. No one, no one would ever score. <laughs> you may not score, but they won't even. <laughs> you, you can win two to nothing. All right. Uh, Kevin, this is going to be fun. We got we got through the All Star break, and now we've got the uh, rest of the season ahead of us. Hopefully, uh, everybody can stay COVID free, and as fans start to get into arenas, uh, we are able to close out the season. Thank you to producer Sasha as always, and we will talk to you on Friday.